on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. That's a crazy feeling as an entrepreneur yeah. to have the weight of them behind you, like holding everything up. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't have to carry all of this. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. I've got Garrett Breton here on the King stage. My brother, Garrett, another brother from another mother. How you doing? Awesome, man. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Dude, I had to say that, you know, brother from another mother thing, because we just figured out that we have some similar loves. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Before I give away the secrets of our, our conversation we're just coming out of, tell me what kind of business that you got, brother. Sure. So my business is called Comfort One Shoes. We're in Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia right now. We have 14 locations and we focus on better grade European comfort shoes and incredibly high service level. I love it. I love, I love the niche. It has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, though. <laughs> completely unrelated yeah those are different shoes yeah. those are different shoes those are different shoes yeah. so for the for the listener's sake i gotta i gotta let them in on our secret because of course you being a shoe guy i have a history in selling shoes i did it for a long time i ran some foot lockers and and you said to me what's your favorite shoe and yeah. my response was well first off how old are you and we just we just we established that we're about the same age okay we grew up in the jordan era so we had to put the jordans in a box and i actually too quickly i moved it over didn't i I, I said, let's yeah, put I brought this box over here. <laughs> he said, no, 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 bring that box back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we're, we're, a big Jordan, we're big Jordan fans, and then specifically the shoes, and, and you've got quite a few of them. Maybe that'll come up in the conversation here. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. here, I got to know, man, before I get into your story and kind of a little bit of the practicality of, of your success, why? Why do you do this? Why shoes? Why retail? Why European comfort? What's the burning yeah. desire? Like, give me the deep down good stuff. Yeah, sure. So, you know, my father was in the shoe business forever. So he started selling shoes, a little independent shoe store in Massachusetts, where he was from. He came down to Atlanta, Georgia and was a buyer and then did all that. So it's definitely in my blood. Comfort One Shoes, I started working here. When I was 14 years old, so 1994. It's, you know, it's a family company. My dad started in 93 with one 800 square foot store. Uh, and from there, but he called it L1, location one, you know, he was, he was looking to grow. So started in the stock room, did a little everything. Retail in general is a tough business and footwear is even tougher. Tons of inventory, lots of costs to get started. But what it has that a lot of other retail doesn't is that when we are able to fit a customer in something that's really right for them, it can change their life. And I don't mean that in a like, you know, esoteric way. I mean, like if your back and knees and hips are hurting because you're wearing the wrong thing, we can, we can correct that for you. And you don't get that when you sell them a shirt, they might look great in the shirt, but it's not going to make their back feel better. So there's a real kind of visceral connection to the customer with footwear that I don't think is, is available in other, in other kinds of retail. Yeah. Yeah. You're helping people and it's not just the cliche we're helping people, but like practically they come in for this specific problem and they walk out with, with a better solution. Um, mm -hmm. than they had before, like real, you yeah. know, it's interesting because I, I think back to those moments where I'm, you know, I was spiffed to sell, you know, the shoe cleaner or the inserts, just the extra things. Mm -hmm. But I really did cut my teeth on like really good service and sales with shoes, because I believe what you just said is that depending upon what they were looking for, whether they were training for a marathon or they were, you know, running short distance, whether they were playing basketball, like whatever that they were looking for, whatever they came in, I could ask them those types of questions. And then I could strategically put them in the right shoe. Yeah. I, obviously you and I agree with this, but how do you think this applies to life or maybe more specifically the guys that are listening right now are the ladies and they're not in the shoe business. We understand it, but 
How do yeah. they take this methodology of you really helping your customer? How do they mm -hmm. take that and put it in home services or right. tech or, you know, throw in the blank? Yeah. So life is complicated. You know, people have a lot going on. They're busy. They have their, their own deal. So the idea that they're going to be into the thing that you're into is, you know, it's a low percentage chance of that happening. So people aren't going to sit around and study the difference between, you know, polyurethane materials in the sole, latex, why it's better, why one's more cushiony, but I am. And our salespeople, we have the, I think one of the, the best retention rates in the entire industry. Our average salesperson on the sales floor has been with us eight years. And in retail, I mean, eight months yeah. is rare. <laughs> you've been to, yeah. you know, been, I won't call anybody out, but I mean, you've been to one of the big box stores where. Yeah. They could care less. They know less than you. Oh. So in life, if you can figure out, like, if you can eliminate a pain point for a customer, if you can take something and deep dive into it and be their resource, their expert, they will learn to trust you over time. Um, and then it becomes just like, hey, let's be friends and I'll solve this for you whenever you need it solved. So whether that's, you know, a great haircut, whether that's an IT problem for the government, it can be anything. But becoming a real specialist who genuinely cares, like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who pretend to give service or pretend to care or are like right. every other home services company out yeah. there instead of real problem solvers. And when you really do it the right way, people are excited to share that news with their friends. They're like, hey, man, I solved the, the handyman issue. I solved the this. Just go see my boy Garrett. And you're good. You know, and that's that's really where you can apply it to anything. It doesn't matter what you're passion or niche is, yeah. become exceptional at it, and then give away the answers uh, and, and people come back for them. Yeah, they do. They do. You hinted at it, but I want to just, you know, make it super clear that when you give, basically, mm -hmm. that people will come back. And what that really means for business is longevity or LTV. And because you don't want to just find a new, another client, like, yes, there's a ton of people that need shoes, and I'm sure you could go find some new ones. And, and you want to, but that that guy that you just serviced, if you serviced him right with the genuineness of actually caring, he's going to come back and buy yeah. the next pair and the next pair. And then he's going to bring his family, his wife, his kids, or, you know, whatever the, mm -hmm. the circumstance is because he trusts you because it turns, yeah. fr it turns from like a good recommendation and caring to, oh, wow, this really helped me. He did me right. And I, and I, I feel safe here. There's mm -hmm. trust. I'm going to come back even with a pair of shoes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I can take it from a transactional yeah. relationship into a real relationship. And I mean, you know, from a purely financial standpoint, it's customers acquisition is expensive. And if you can keep the same customers over time while you're, you know, add the new ones as well, it's just oh, yeah. a much better model long-term. Yeah. The 18 year old, 17 year old Chaz working at a footlocker. I didn't even own the, the, the store, but I had repeat clients yeah. and that would come back to a big box store looking for me and would not purchase if I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and one particular client I'm thinking of was a pretty high VP and a big insurance company, which then later I was able to get a job at because I, yeah. I needed to move on from selling shoes. And uh, it was so funny because I didn't even know what he, I mean, I knew what he did, but not really. But he was like, mm -hmm. my boss's boss's boss <laughs> right. in that environment. And it's like, I knew that guy. He would only come back and spend his money with his family with me, a 17 year old mm -hmm. kid. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, of, I don't, I can't say how many times that kind of thing's happened where like, you know, a, a great waiter, a great bartender, a great haircut for like, it doesn't matter what it is. Once you see like, all right, this person's passionate, cares, is the right kind of person, yeah. shares our values, then all kinds of opportunities open up. And that's, you know, that's true of people that I'm, you know, hiring, but it's also true of my, my 
you know, people I'm investing with now and doing real estate deals with or whatever else That's it is. Right. Like they, you know, they trust me. I've showed up. I, you know, I give freely without warning. And then eventually it all boomerangs back. It's cool. Yeah. It's, these are really, really, really important principles. I hope the listeners taking good notes from you. I want to know practically how the story began. You gave us a little tidbits. Dad started the store. You started there in 14, at 14 years old. But like, how did you become who you are today? Give us a little bit of that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, when, you know, when you're 14, you don't know what the hell you want, you know? (laughs) So I started looking to make some money and buy some Jordans. (laughs) My dad told me what time to get there. (laughs) And I showed up and started doing it, you know? So from, you know, that perspective, like that's how I got pulled in. Um, And then, you know, not that quickly, maybe five years, 10 years. You know, it was probably my early 20s when I really decided like, oh, this is something I want to do. This is a yeah. career. I see a path for me here. And then once I made that decision, you know, it, it changed. I was much more invested in it and started, you know, I remember like the first time I got promoted to be manager. I think I was 20 years old, you know, six years of experience at that point. And, and you held like, on to man. it too, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh man, you know, now I'm involved. Like now I don't have to do any of that work anymore. So, you know, I got in there, wrote these long lists, signed everything, went to lunch, you know, <laughs> did that for, you know, three weeks before the entire staff quit. Yeah. So you learn those kind of lessons. And, and that's, you know, for me, other people are, you know, they're smarter. They can learn from other people's mistakes. Me, I got to, I got to do on my own sometimes. Um, so, you know, and then I came back and I was like, oh, well, that's not great. Now, now I have to do now the whole checklist. <laughs> now I'm a salesperson again, you know, and I'll yep. see if I can rebuild it. And then, you know, if, when the, when the students read it, the pe- teacher appears, I think that's something that's been true for me always. Um, there's a guy, Sean O'Neill, who was, you know, a manager of a, our biggest store at that point. And I saw how he worked, how he treated people, how he got the best out of people, but also how he saw the best in people sometimes, even when they didn't see it for themselves. And, you know, in me, I wanted to be better for him. And it was, you know, it was my dad's company at that point, you know, yeah. but that's, that's what I started to emulate. And it took me years to develop that. I'm an introvert by nature, but in sales, like that's not an option. So, you know, getting millions of reps, I don't know how many, you get to relate to lots of different personality types. That's right. You get to open yourself up and, you know, and see what happens, be vulnerable. Lots of people are going to say no. And in any other, you know, in lots of businesses or lots of, I guess, areas of life, when people get rejection, they turn in the opposite direction. And in, in business, I think, if, you know, if you ask five times and you get four no's, you were successful, you got a yes. And, and that was something I had to learn. So, you know, from there, I, I became a better manager, I became a district manager. I got into the buying department and from there learned the, the other part of the business, the, the numbers part where you have budgets and you've got, you know, margin goals. Yeah. And I came in there again with a, you know, a false sense of how smart I was. And, you know, I'm like, I know what to pick. And, you know, I can predict the future and what's going to happen. And in there, I learned the lesson of like, I'm going to be wrong a lot, a lot more than I'm right. So what I can do though, is I can affect the, the terms and the conditions under which I'm, I'm guessing. So I can partner with vendors, brands who are looking to get into our stores and, you know, want the distribution. And yes. then I can, you know, agree up front, like, Hey, when you're, when they're not in your store yet, and they're trying to sell you something. That's your best opportunity to, to get better terms. Yeah. Um, so I can say like, Hey man, I, I think this is going to work. Here's why we have this amazing set of stores in a wealthy area, lots of visitors. It's a great place for your brand to be, but I've been wrong before. So like, what happens if this doesn't work out? Right. Is there a way to return the product and swap it for something else? Is there some kind of protection? So if I have to mark it down, we can do that together and share the risk. 
And, you know, people are generally reasonable. They understand when you're making a, a legitimate business case for something yeah. Uh, yeah. and they can see the the overlap of interest. We're like, this could benefit us both if it works. And, and if it yeah. doesn't, we'll, you know, share a bit and move on. So Sick. I learned that lesson there that I've applied to lots of things. So yeah. about, this is a long answer, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. But, Keep um, going, man. Keep going. Yeah. So maybe 13 years ago, there was another like game changer for me. There was a class offered at Loyola College, um, their next gen business school. So the National Shoe Retailers Association, which is an organization we're a part of, yeah. offered scholarships to attend this. So I, I went to the school and there learned, you know, where my gaps were. Maybe I learned a little bit more about how emotion is important as a motivator and how I can't just ignore it and go all logic. You can't just, you know, cut that out and be a leader. Yeah. And there we, I started to negotiate with my father in terms of like, Hey, I want to take over this company. How would that look? You know, here's what I would expect out of it. What do you expect out of it? Um, Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of start hammering that out over two years. I think it took, we got a buy sell agreement with a 10 year timeline. So we started to like execute that at that point, I bought a third of the company. And my, my wife and I had been buying real estate. Um, I started, I bought my first rental property. When I was 21, she wow. was 20. So like we had been doing that on the, the sideline Yeah, and we were able to borrow against that portfolio to buy into the company. Wow. Uh, and then in, as of January 1st, I bought the, the other two thirds from my father. And I was, I'm really proud to say that I brought on Sean O'Neill, the guy who had taught me how to lead, <laughs> you know, my mentor, and he's a partner now in the business. I never looked at him as like a you know yeah. an employee, but I always thought him as a partner, and now he really is. So that's pretty wow. awesome. Wow, yeah. I mean, I, dude, I think if I if we ended the show right there, <laughs> I think I think it would like wow, yes, awesome story. Love the ending with Sean. I was wondering what happened to Sean. Yeah, so many principles in there, dude, of humility and education and learning and leveling up. False, false ego. Yeah. Yeah. I love the real estate play in the backdrop. I think I think most entrepreneurs are like swimming in the idea of how do I do that? You kind of did it in reverse order. You you did it first and then used it to propel your business later where I think most guys are, are growing their businesses, making money, going mm-hmm. what do I do with it now? But I love I love everything that you just said. Inside of that, you already gave us some really good and bad decisions. <laughs> but I want to I want to know like the good decision. Like where you're like this wow. one thing that I did has led to a lot of things or knocked over a lot of the other dominoes. Maybe it's already something that you said, but I just want to hear, I want to hear this succinct answer. Yeah. So, you know, I like my, my newest good decision the best. <laughs> you know, I'd like to have another one in a few years, who knows? But I was turned on to the book Traction from some oh, really good yeah. friends and read the book. And, you know, I've, I read a lot of business books and I can take a little, I can glean something from all of them. And, you know, I thought it was another one of those, like when they first recommended it and then they're like, hey, we're putting it in the system. And then a year later, I was like, wow, you guys bought a company. Wow. You added these things you were talking about for years and never really did. And now they're happening. And then I was like, all right, I'll go read it. So I read the book and thought this could be, you know, not an answer to everything, but a a great framework for organizing the efforts, setting the goals, holding teams accountable, and, and also distributing the, the responsibilities. So that it's, you know, it's not me dabbling and checking in on everyone and, and meddling. It's like, hey, if you're doing, you know, if everything's all your scorecards green, keep rolling, man. You know, we started implementing that in 2020, just in time for COVID. So we have plenty of time to implement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the stores were closed. So there's plenty of time no. to get some stuff done. 
you know? Um, right. And yeah. And you know, that, that kind of was a hiccup in our planning, but, uh, but now we're, you know, we're absolutely crushing it. I set what I thought was a really aggressive goal of, for growth. And I came to it, you know, mathematically, I thought like, it's possible. It's hard. This will be a lot of stress. And the very first year we, we, you know, gave the team the, their own areas of responsibilities, told them what we were trying to accomplish and, yeah. you know, and they got excited about the plan. We crushed it this year. We're trending really, really nicely. We should beat it again. And, you know, it's a, um, when I put in our 10 year goal at the OS, I was embarrassed to, to put that out there. Like I was okay. like, this is such a lofty goal. Wow. Uh, that I'm almost afraid to speak it. Like people are going to be, you know, they're going to laugh at me. Yeah. They're going yeah. to, you know, think Your I'm business. crazy. Yeah. 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 And now I'm like, well, we did 33% the first year. We're going to do the, you know, we're going to beat the 25% goal for this year compounding. Like maybe I wasn't aggressive enough, you know, like it's already switched to that in only a few years. So anyone who's, you know, I don't know exactly when it would make sense if you're a single, you know, right. one owner, one person in the business, maybe it doesn't make sense, but yeah. But even if I, I wish I had done this 10 years ago, you know, I wonder where it would be if we had really gotten everyone laser focused on, on our goals. Right. So that would be the decision I'm most excited about right now. Yeah. I mean, well done. Well done. I think that the result is showing for itself. I, I want to hit on two things inside of the implementation of, of EOS. You said that they got excited and obviously they're crushing the target. Do you think that there's a level of like clarity for them? And that's why they got excited. It wasn't just like hoorah here's the next target, let's run. But it was like, here's what it is. It's kind of crazy maybe, but then like reverse engineered all the way down and then all the way down to your scorecard. Here's what I need yeah. you to do. And so it, it like made it manageable for them to be able to wrap their yeah. brain around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that certainly is a huge part of it. I mean, the, the 90 day most important goals are called rocks and everyone gets two or three of them. And if everyone accomplishes their goals, their rocks, then we'll get to the, the budget. Like it, that's how it happens. You know, like here's the problem we need to solve. We solve these and we'll do it. And everyone's counting on each other to solve them. So I think that the, you know, I inherited a team that had exceptionally high trust. We believed in each other and we trust each other to do what we would say. So that's a huge part of the equation that helped. But we also like have a culture of, you know, we're commissioned salespeople. We post all of our numbers. We have a healthy competition amongst us and we like to win. Yeah. Uh, so when I put out a, originally it was my goal you know, at the next year, it was our goal. That was a beautiful thing to see where it wasn't me like pushing the, the crazy idea. <laughs> yeah. It was like the team going, maybe we could do more. Maybe we could do this. Uh, yeah. So it really was organic from them. Yeah. And if you have a team of people that are, you know, that like to win and that yeah. trust each other, they're going to get excited about big, exciting goals. Yeah. So I think that was a lot of it. Having the framework and break it into bite-sized pieces, because we do have different, you know, personality types on the team. Um, your finance department probably shouldn't be pie in the sky, big, you know, like let's, let's, we can do anything, buy everything. Like, you know, you want them to be conservative and to be numbers focused. So, so that team likes the, you know, we all have a cool scorecard. We're going to have budgets. Like, you know, I can hold people accountable that way. To they the decimal get point. Excited about that. <laughs> to the decimal point. That's right. No rounding up. And then the, you know, the, the sales team likes having, you know, big goals and a way to get there. So it's yeah. got a little something for all the different the different personality types, different, you know, kind of focuses of people. So it's, it's a strong system. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of hit on my second point there, which was at, at not only does it give them clarity, but then it empowers them where then you said to yourself, well, this is not my goal anymore. This is our goal. And, and then yeah. when you feel the weight of a team behind you, mm -hmm. 
taking ownership of that. And it's no longer just Garrett's great idea or Chaz's great idea or goal or lofty craziness. It's like, no, actually we see it and maybe we can do a little bit more. Like you said, that's a crazy feeling as an entrepreneur to, to, yeah. to have the weight of them behind you, like holding everything up. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't have to carry all of this. Yep. Yeah. It's nice to have a team to, to hold some stuff, to hold some weight. It's also nice to have accountability. You know, like when you're in charge, you can change your mind and you can do some stuff that maybe isn't the best for the company. Um, right. You know, like I have a lot of ideas. That's just how I'm built. Like, yep. and you know, a lot of them are awful. Uh, and I get excited about most all of them. Of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're, I would be a nice life girl. Yeah. You know? So like I would, you know, keep, they wouldn't know what my priority was because it wasn't a written down goal. Cause I would be excited about one thing one day and I'd be talking about customer service. Then I'd be talking about internet sales. Then I'd be talking, you know, I just kept switching on them. So they absolutely like to know where, where my head is at and where we're heading. And I like the accountability of having to execute my rocks that I've promised to the team because that keeps me focused when I'm, you know, when I'm having the idea day, I'm like, yeah, but I have till June 12th to make an acquisition or I, <laughs> or I get a red dot, you know, <laughs> so no red dots. work on that, just work on that today, you know? Like, yeah. So it keeps me focused as well in a really healthy, healthy way. Yeah. Probably the most impactful thing that you've said. I mean, the other things are super great and and long long term make big impacts. But what you just said, I think, is the most practical for the listener to walk away with. And it's the same thing I've experienced. And still, we still today, both you and I have these moments where we're like, the ah, that's super exciting over there. And yeah. no. But it's really hard. It's really hard, especially when you're really passionate and zesty about life and targets and mm-hmm. and cool yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to that completely. Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me. And I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. What about a bad decision? What was your, what was your not so great hour? Yeah. So, you know, again, there's many of them. I think the biggest mistake I've made in my, you know, my career so far was focusing purely on financial goals. So I had this idea that if I hit a certain net worth, that I would like have complete freedom and happiness. That like at that number, then I could do whatever I wanted and I'd be, you know, it'd be all puppy dogs and ice cream from here on out. Yeah. And what really ended up happening is I was, you know, trying to get a loan from a bank. So I was putting together my PFS. This is when I was 39. And, you know, I hit the number um, without kind of realizing it. Like it wasn't, there wasn't any flashing lights and champagne and all that. And that's when I was like, oh, nothing's different. You know, I had this idea in my head that something would change. 
And then I had to, you know, do some looking internally, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's nothing, there's no like outside amount of money or goal that I'm going to hit that's going right. to, you know, make me feel like I'm, like I've arrived. I'm not built that way. Um, curious. I like to learn. I want to learn new things. I want to grow. And those are the things that give me some satisfaction in life. But, but the day that I, you know, saw that I'd hit it, it started like an existential crisis, you know, like I had to really evaluate who I was, why I got there, where I wanted to be. And was I supporting my, like, was I really being truthful to myself and authentic and, and doing things daily habits, you know, just actions that were getting me closer to the person I wanted to be, or was I running a little bit on you know, fear and like wanting this, this number for security and like trying to, to patch that together. So, you know, at that point I, I had a really good friend that kind of talked to about like, Hey man, what do you, <laughs> you know, here's where I'm at. And he recommended something called the Hoffman process, which is like a retreat in California that I went to about a week long. And I really deep dove on myself again, like who I am, how I got to be who I am. What are the like unconscious behaviors that I'm just doing, they call them patterns because I've done them before. Like I'm just in a rut. And then which ones are awesome? Like, you know, yeah. I have a work ethic that was instilled to me from my father and from his father. It comes down through the bread and you can see them all busting their butt. And we get, you know, you get love and you get approval and you get all that stuff when you work hard in my family. Um, that one is awesome. Like, it's great to be dependable. It makes me a better person. It is who I want to be. And then there's other ones like, hey, man, when I, you know, when I'm stressed out and feeling sad, I start eating Twizzlers and candy at my desk without thinking about it. You know, that's not one I want. You know, there's a much yeah. better way to handle that. So I got yeah, to sour sort, sort through. Sour Patch Kids. No, I'm just that's kidding. Like, that's number one way. That's right. That's what I found. That's, that's better than Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know. From that mistake, I was able to grow a lot. And I feel like I'm a much more balanced person, leader, better business person now as a result of that mistake. Yeah. You're you're talking about identity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I, I really thought it was about dollars. I thought it was a scorecard. And then, you know, once you hit the bing, 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 everyone thinks you're awesome and you're happy. And it really has very little to do with that. It has much more for me to do with, you know, am I being my best self, my best version of myself, how closely can I be that? And I'm, I'm not like I, you know, I'm always get, trying to get a little closer each year. I'm not like fully formed. So, but that's what brings me happiness and security and those kind of feelings. Now it's not, yeah. it's not a dollar sign. And, and, you know, I also like to, to win and the, the, the dollars are sort of a scorecard. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a nice little indicator. Yeah. yeah. You, you're giving permission for a couple of different things here. I want to point them out. <clears throat> Number one, that it, it, it is more than money, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think money as income is kind of like step one. And then money as net worth is like another level. So your story started with the next level. So for listener right now, if you're not tracking your net worth, th- like the next level of the quote unquote measurement of the game is net worth, not just your income, because it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And, mm-hmm. and then how you use that for wealth generation. But even at that, it's not just about that. It's about who are you? Why are you doing this? What is the point? And the work that you've done is incredible. And, and I love what you said as the result of doing that work is understanding that you're still going to be doing the work again and again. And I'm going to keep mm-hmm. reaching into who I am at another level, reaching for the next level of potential. And there's almost like this settling, almost security 
of mm-hmm. I'll never be done. Yeah. yeah and well, and I'm okay that. with that. It's not like a, yeah, like, a not done, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it's cool. <laughs> we say, we say in Gathering the Kings, grateful, but not done. And there's this really interesting balance because comfort or, or being complacent is not necessarily what I mean when I say grateful. Uh, what you were talking about is like, okay, I'm here. And it wasn't like, I feel empty. It was like, okay, like this is cool. I did it kind of unexpectedly, mm-hmm. but there's more. Yeah. And if you don't have that, but there's more, then eventually it sets into, I'm, I arrived, it's complacent. What did I do this for? It's empty. Mm-hmm. There's no one else here with me or whatever those empty feelings or sadness is, because even yeah. though I've achieved the number, I haven't become who I'm supposed to be. So I love what yeah. what Garrett's given to you guys here because it's 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 the pursuit. And it's funny because probably two months or so ago, I was talking with one of our mastermind members and I was just wrestling with him a couple of things on his business. And I I love for them to wrestle with me on my businesses and, and even gathering the Kings as a mastermind. And he was like, hey, have you ever thought about like what you sell? And so we kind of wrestled with that for a second, but the word is fulfillment. Mm. You know, like, yeah. okay, yes, I, I help already successful entrepreneurs collaborate and connect with other successful entrepreneurs. And, and we facilitate, you know, environments where not only they can connect with each other, but, you know, leverage can be taught and or, you know, facilitated courage can be transferred, all these really cool mm-hmm. things inside this environment. But really, it's what does a king be like, okay, I want to become a king or I am a king. What does that mean? It's like, well, I'm reaching for the best me. I'm being fulfilled yeah. or I'm living fulfilled. Everything that Garrett just said, it's like, that place of understanding I, I am who I am, but I'm not done. So I don't really actually know who I am yet, but I'm on the way to find him. Right? Yeah. 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 No, it's, I mean, through, you know, I meditate in the morning and all that is, is me reminding myself who I am, what's important to me. And then when I go into the day, I have a much better chance of being that person and, and doing things that, that serve that goal than I would if I just went in hot and just kind of want this winging it all day. So yeah, that's, and I have to remind myself of it every day. You know, four days out, if I'm not doing it because I was on a trip or whatever, I'm starting to, you know, go into the old patterns and, you know, being the, the automaton that doesn't really get what the kids are really thoughtful yeah. and, and making thoughtful decisions. So yeah, it's like, it's a constant, constant, um, I won't call it a struggle because it's a, you know, it's a joy when it's working, right? You know, it's like, it's, it's awesome when it's clicking Yeah. and sometimes I'm in that flow and that's, I just want to get into that flow a little more, you know, like maybe tomorrow I get six hours of it instead of five and a half. You yeah. know, so that's really what I'm I'm pacing for. And, you know, you know, I had getting money wasn't a, a bad goal, but I didn't understand why I wanted it. You know, what I was really looking for was freedom. You know, I wanted to be able to do the kind of work that I wanted to do with the kind of people that I wanted to do it with, you know, and then from there, like everything kind of works out. Like, you know, I'm working with smart people who are hardworking. We trust each other and we're going after exciting goals. It, we're going to make more money. You know, but it's not the, it's not the destination that I, I care about as much today. Yeah. 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 So good, man. If, if I were listening to this show, I would stop and go back and re-listen to everything that you just said. And I say that a couple of times here and there on different shows, but I really mean I would go back and listen again because Garrett, even though he he's even been honest about, I don't have it figured out. What he has figured out is that he hasn't figured it out. <laughs> so we want to get there. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. You know, that manager who signed all the work had it figured out. Yeah. He did. He did. And so, yeah, you're right. It's humility to understand. Like, I'm thankful for where I'm at, but I'm not done. And I, and I just, the humility of uh, even that you still have to work at it to get into it every day. Uh, you go on a four day trip or I just, you know, came off of a similar scenario where I was kind of out of the routine for a few days. 
and the last like 10 days has been me going like, like just, you got to climb back into it purposefully. And so I think even that should transfer some courage here today, man, because the listener right now, even if they're high performing, like you and I, they're going to deal with the same stuff. And so if they're, if they're not at this level, mentally, financially, whatever we're calling this, they're going to for sure be dealing with it. And they think it's like, oh, it's like something's wrong with me. It's like, no, Mm. this is just our instincts, our, our survival, uh, fear and, and instincts for survival are not get outside my comfort zone, press for more, reach for my potential. Like all of those things are not safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Darn comfortable. They're uncomfortable, you know, and I had to get used to being uncomfortable. And, you know, there's a, I think it's right out of maybe traction. You know, I don't know. I steal everyone's ideas. So I'm actually really come from some dogs. <laughs> After like the big <laughs> time I say it, it feels like it's mine. But, uh, you know, oh man, I lost what I was thinking. Oh gosh. I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's yeah. okay. My fault. Yeah. I want to ask you some speed round questions here. So if you think about what you're going to say, just pop in here. Sure. The first one's around KPIs. Obviously you run a, a huge business and I know you're tracking all kinds of stuff. You got sales, you got the back end, you got purchasing. The one thing that you track forever and ever, what is it? Oh gosh. So we try to track lead indicators so we know what the business will do, you know. So we're looking when times are good, I have a tendency to get complacent. Like everything's good. We're all super smart. And that's when I gather habits that got it to good. And that's when it goes bad again. So we try to to constantly track what we call quality numbers. So anyone can hand you a shoe that you asked for. So it's second pairs, it's attachment rate. So are we adding on Linkos, which are a, a really cool custom insole that make the shoe, make every shoe better, <laughs> like, you know? So we're looking at those quality numbers, which is an indicator of how well we're doing the process over and over and how well are we executing. And if we're executing at a high level, it doesn't matter what the world does, what the economy does, our results will be better than they would have been if we got complacent and got out of the, the habits. So we try to, I try to measure habits. For like personal KPI, it's, you know, did I meditate today? <laughs> you know, like if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm getting in the flow. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. The measurement of habit or the measurement of complacency, if we're going to mm-hmm. put a little negative yeah. emotion on it. That's interesting. And I think it's, I think it's really good. The scorecard for that should look really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What book you've already mentioned EOS, but what book or maybe podcast or other business resource would you recommend? Yeah. So gosh, you know, I liked good to great was a, a classic for me that gave me the idea of like hedgehog, take what you're good at, get rid of the distractions and do the good thing over and over and over again, and you'll become the best at it. So that was like a, a focused kind of thing that I, I really got out of that. I liked the, you know, four hour work week, you know, from there I learned like to scale, you have to systemize. My goal wasn't to get down to a four hour work week and autopilot it, but in order to grow, we had to systemize. And I got a lot of those ideas from there. So those would be a couple that, you know, I would recommend yeah. Yeah. and retraction first. He takes, he takes a lot of those ideas and puts them, <laughs> puts them all into together. one. Yeah. 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 You mentioned earlier about mentioning a lot of things from a lot of other places and eventually becomes yours. I think EOS is a great compilation of that. Although he, mm-hmm. he does, he does make something brand new out of the gathering of all these things, but he does a very yeah. good job of pulling a bunch of already well-known things together, but mm-hmm. he makes it unique to himself or, or patentable probably. <laughs> In, in a way, in a way that brings them all together that uniquely work together. So yeah, exactly. Highly, yeah. highly recommend that as well. Okay. So I got a question for you about, about family, you know, you, you being in a family business, being second generation, that's interesting. My, my question is around obsession and I'm just not a fan of the word balance. 
I believe that in order to be successful in your business, you got to be obsessed, have a burning mm-hmm. desire. I believe the same for my family, my wife, my kids. My question is, how do you, Garrett, obsess over your family like you do your business and at the same time? And it's not one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fascinating question. I love it. So what is, you know, what I'm thinking of right now, and again, everything can change tomorrow, <laughs> but I see a ton of myself in my girls. So I have two girls and I can see them bumping into the same things that I bumped into. I can see the best of myself in them sometimes, and I can see the worst of myself in them sometimes. So this kind of like self-improvement, self-realization thing that I'm super into, which is, you know, for me to be, one of the things I need to be happy is a perception, doesn't have to actually be true, but I have to feel like I'm growing and getting closer to my authentic self and being a better version of myself. And that, because they look like, you know, little reflections of me, shocking how I can, (laughs) can, you know, I'm always thinking about myself, Um, you know, trying to keep them from making some of the same mistakes I made. But doing it in a way like, you know, people can always tell me like, hey, that was dumb. Don't do it. And that never worked for me. You know, like I was like, well, yeah, you, you love the rules. I like to, <laughs> I like to get in there figure out what's going on That's right. uh, and then, you know, try to break them. So telling them like authentic, real stories that I wish that I had been told, you know, I wish I knew my parents a little better than I do. You know, like I wish I really knew them when they were 16 and did dumb stuff. So yeah. those are the kind of things I share with my girls now. So when they're having trouble at school or they're doing something that I've, you know, I've already made that mistake. I've already done this. This is how it made me feel. And this is why I do it differently now. And then like not telling them what to do, make your own choice now. So that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited about being a dad is the chance to maybe, maybe they'll do it a little bit better, a little bit easier than I did it. So yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I love I love your decision-making kind of construct there. Really, it's that's what a good dad is, is like, I'm going to build you up. I'm going to, I'm going to give you all the things that are necessary and then I'm going to let you make your own choice and, and we're going to go with it. Yeah. Support you. Sometimes it's going to be bad. Sometimes it's going to be really good and I'm going to be really proud of you, but it's going to have been yours with obviously the preparation that we can give to them of, look, I've been there. Can't make the decision for you, nor would I want to, I'm not going to rob you of that. Yeah. I, you know, my mistakes are what define me. Like I've, that's where I've learned the fastest. That's where I've learned the deepest. And real change has come from the pain times, like the time when things were uncomfortable and I needed to grow. Um, I needed to level up to get out of that same behavior that wasn't really working. And it worked before. That's why I did it again. Like, it, you know, it was working at one point and then it stopped working. World changes, I change, what I want changes. And so, yeah, they have to, sometimes they have to feel that too. Um, and then other times I can, I can help them. I can let them feel some of my pain and they remake a slightly better decision than, than we would have before. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. I love the collaboration. I get pretty fired up about thinking about doing deals, business deals, real estate deals with my kids, my grandkids. Yeah, that I know that's kind of odd for, for guys our age to be thinking about, but <laughs> it really does wake me up, man. I'm feeling excited about those things these days. One last question here for you, Garrett. You ready? Yeah. I want to know if you had the opportunity to whisper in the younger Garrett's ear. Mm. What would you say? <laughs> See an animal house? That drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if young Garrett would have listened to, to older Garrett, you know, like I really am hard headed. I really am curious and want to experience it myself. If you tell me something's bad for me, I got to go out there and, you know, put my hand on the stove. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I would, I would whisper it to myself and hope, but you know, you got to go through it yourself, brother. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that would be the advice. Best no. of luck, man. Try not to kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, we laugh because it's real. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. And for you to be able to share that is pretty special, actually. I hope that the listener is is getting some not only laughs, but just some genuine touch of like, okay. Because really what you just said is that I have zero regrets. Mm. You know? Because because yeah. why? Because if if I had changed it, first off, I probably wouldn't have been able to. That Garrett wouldn't have listened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you also identified, too, that it was that Garrett that didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And that this Garrett, you know, even though still curious and maybe a little disruptive, um, mm-hmm. has has learned to maybe add some of those things on every now and then. Maybe I do heed or maybe I do take a take a piece of advice or maybe I do collaborate yeah. with somebody who's further down the road. All those things are super valuable. And it's not like you've thrown those things to the wind either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've just given yourself. No, I, that's like that's I love that now. You know, like I I learn I learn so well from people who have done the thing that I want to do and just sitting down and like um and I love to share that with people who are interested. Like when they're asking the right questions, you can, you can have as much time amount of time as you want. You know, like you've already thought it out, you already did your homework, you already got where you could get before you needed some help. And then you're just, you know, needing the little push in the right direction. And I hope to be that when I'm when I'm asking a mentor questions like i hope i'm prepared i hope i'm not you know wasting their time if i if they give me advice i do it or i don't ask them again (laughs) like you know i'm not gonna come back in three weeks and ask the same dumb question so yeah i you know i hope i have grown that way and that's a the ability to know when i'm when i don't know something and ask for help was something that took me a long time to realize was incredibly valuable yeah so good, man. I want to know, first off, how can, how can we, you said internet business a minute ago. So can, yeah. can anybody buy shoes from you? And if so, where, and mm-hmm. then name, name the locations of your, your stores again. So that way, if listeners are in that yeah. area, they can come into your stores. Mm-hmm. And then if we're just an entrepreneur and we want to get to know you and yeah. reach out, how can we find you that way? Sure. So comfortonechoose.com, O-N-E spelled out as our website and you can buy whatever, you know, everything you can buy from all over the world there. We'll ship it to you. Our stores are in DC, Maryland, and Virginia, and we're, we're coming at you. So we're, we're hoping to grow. And our in-store experience is, I think, what makes us different than every other retailer in the country. We really do, you know, do the thing. We analyze your foot with a 3D scan when we get started. We, wow. from there, we can match you up with the shoes that are right. All the black dress shoes look the same, but they feel wildly different because, you know, because you need high arch or you need extra cushioning. And right. the fact that we have people who've been with us for eight years on the sales floor on average means that they know the shoe that you need. So you can just come in and tell us what, you know, what's where you're going, what you want to accomplish, and we'll get you the right shoes. So we'd love to see you. I'm here in, in Old Town, Alexandria. My office is above one of the stores, and I'm happy to, you know, do a lunch, talk to an entrepreneur. Please reach out to me. So thanks. Love it, man. Yeah, you've been incredible. Thank you for sharing and giving us value. But we wish you nothing but success and blessing on your family and your stores, your expansion. Thank Thank you. you for being here, brother. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to 
bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.